Welcome back to the L.A. Sucks podcast. No, we love it. This is the We Love L.A. podcast with new L.A. resident who I got to say, when I was in L.A. hanging out with you, Chewy, you felt like an old L.A. resident because you (laughs) you were complaining about the traffic. You're complaining that they nickel and dime you everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) it's true i stand by that (laughs) we went to the getty and you were just like i'm not interested (laughs) i didn't say that like i said you just take so long like it's just art it's not that hard you just look at stuff you just move on (laughs) i told you i understand why it takes so long well in case you couldn't tell by the dulcet sounds of his voice this is our good friend Chewy Von Huygens here, <laughs> live from LA uh, to bring us some LA news. Greg is uh, working this week, uh, which means that he can't record. None of us ever work and record at the same time. <laughs> um, and Munya is uh, currently marooned in Detroit due to some yeah. weather events in New York City. He's like, basically oh. reliving RoboCop as we speak. He's in some <laughs> lawless hellscape. With machines <laughs> running the streets. Yeah. yeah. Basically, his plane decided uh, you're actually not going to New York. You're going to Detroit. And then Booty just hopped on Ed 209's back yeah. and is just riding him around <laughs> riding the city. Around. <laughs> What's left of it. Yeah. You know, Chewie, we're here to talk all things Los Angeles. Uh, and But first, we have some news, of course, from where else? Texas. That's right. That's right. Oh, well, well we could get to the house, the destruction of a sacred relic. <laughs> uh, in Dallas, but um, Pantera has announced that they are going to do a reunion. And, you know, I will, or they cannot confirm or deny that maybe it was from the newfound attention they received from a podcast, maybe that had <laughs> talked about them in depth. Uh, Phil wouldn't say yes or no. I am pretty sure that <laughs> Phil and Rex both listen to our podcast. That's uh, if you guys are Patreon listeners, you can go back. It's called our problematic fave, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I'm sure they listen to the podcast and listen to my stirring defense of Pantera where I was like, ah, who cares? It's just fine to listen to. Just listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Hey, you know what, brother? That there's a special little boy in Seattle that really needs to see us. We should get back together for him. He needs to see a 15th Pantera show. This one without all the about 50% of the members. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's only, um, Phil and Rex by fucking default. Cause yeah. the brothers are dead. So, well, um, and hilariously, the only way this reunion tour could have happened because, uh, for those who are not familiar with the, uh, pantera behind the music backstory or whatever uh phil and rex had a real falling out with the drummer and guitar player of the band vinnie paul and dime uh who are brothers and um so long as either one of those guys was still alive there would never be a reunion and uh wouldn't you know it they are dead (laughs) and now there's a reunion (laughs) so yeah i saw a few posts uh from people on instagram like other musicians and a few of them were like calling it scam Tara, <laughs> which I was like, eh, you're not wrong. But um, well, it's not like they like cut Dime and Vinny out. I mean, they literally can't come. <laughs> no, right, right, right. Um, <laughs> you know. And so Zach Wild of Black Label Society and Ozzy's uh, guitar player uh, fame, he's going to play the guitar. And I would say that's a worthy sort of, a, I don't know a better word, but that's like a, yeah. That's, that'll do. Like Zach Wilde's obviously very talented. I think he has a distinct style. So get ready yeah. for like eighty pinch harmonics in the. <laughs> Which honestly is kind of dime style too. So that that that's a good fit. Yeah. I think. Yeah, he'll but... do it justice. He'll do it justice. Yeah. I feel like uh, as much as you can, because like we said on the Patreon episode, both those guys just had a mastery. They had this groove that I think you, no one can ever duplicate, and that's yeah. what made them so special. But Zach Wilde, I feel like he can go in there and play it. 
uh, it'll do. It'll do. Yeah, yeah. Dime has a really unique guitar playing style, and yeah. so even very good guitar players doing Pantera covers, it always sounds like a very weird knockoff or something. Yeah. And and Vinny's kind of the same way too. Like, there's not a lot of drummers who sound like Vinny Paul. No. So no. Uh, now, unfortunately, there's some more bad news from Dallas, which is oh. Vinny Paul's house. Uh, me and you, Chewie, were saving up to purchase it. It was yes. on the market. They were desperately trying to sell it to somebody who would preserve it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we we cobbled together all our Patreon funds. We that's kind of what. That's why we went to the Getty. We were doing research yeah. on how to <laughs> how to set up uh, a preservation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. Um, you also asked for a loan from the Getty Foundation yeah. for this worthy <laughs> cause, and uh, alas, we were too late. Uh, it turns out that it was purchased, but under the uh, they got rid of the thing about having to preserve the house and uh, they purchased it and knocked it down immediately. The funny part about it was that was an ugly ass house. Did you see the video tour of it? No, I just saw the pictures. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was it was hideous. But it's like we were saying what uh, it is still on brand or <laughs> it looks it looks um, it, yeah, it's just fucking weird gaudy probably built in the 2000s it looks like it was built in the mid 80s by somebody that uh was obsessed with zz top but maybe had a bit of a head injury and yeah it's incredible when you look at the inside of it because it's like a graceland for dallas suburban rock stars and Mm -hmm. probably should have been preserved because of its general tastelessness it's also famously where the stanley cup was uh, chucked off the roof <laughs> and then, yeah, fell like three yeah. feet short of the pool where they're trying yeah, to throw that's when it and bounced the, that's into the, the pool. In yeah, yeah. That's a long time ago, too. Yeah, this is all deep Texas lore that I'm sure nobody gives a shit about. But yeah. you know what? Guess what? We're on. So now hey, they're going to listen content? to it. You know? Yeah, we didn't say it was going to be good content. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so. So yeah, a, desecrate, a desecration of a holy yeah, shrine. Monument, yeah yeah everything goes away everything goes away in the end yeah it's like i am ozymandias (laughs) 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 all right it's like that's it there's all that's left is just rubble of vinnie paul's once uh prestigious colossal empire well i mean you know that's gonna be seeing panteras it's just watching the rubble on this reunion it tour. basically since, is since yeah rex looks to be in pretty bad shape and phil's voice is terrible now there's so. no way he can hit cemetery those highs like in cemetery gates and all that even just beyond there's that no like way. all he can do is like weird growls no, now because yeah. he's just smoked his entire like voice away yeah, <laughs> his ability to sing true. away um but you know uh i'll probably go see it anyways what the fuck what else am i doing in 2020 that's kind right? of what i just go to I don't, in the non-melodramatic way i don't have a ton of friends out here so i just go to every metal show by myself <laughs> which is the way you go to metal shows that's that's the appropriate way to see it yeah, it's band. not bad especially because i don't i normally don't drink at those shows now mm-hmm. so it's in and out like i'm in and the second that show is over i can i'm fucking out before anyone's even like leaving and getting in their cars i'm already peeling off i i noticed like maybe 10 years ago i i reached the opinion that when i go to a show i'm gonna time it to where i'm only gonna see the band i like and then i'm gonna leave right yeah and to the point where i like walk in the club and if they're not playing yet i'd be like all right i'm walking back outside yeah (laughs) that's what uh, the last one i went to that's what i literally i timed it perfectly i got i got there at like 11 30 (laughs) <laughs> watched the two bands i wanted to see that was a jack-in-the-box drive-through by 1 a.m that was that was, that was good <laughs> that's my headliner <laughs> yeah that's the real <laughs> jack 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 <laughs> well you know look we didn't uh bring you on here to wax nostalgic about metal and pantera uh, yeah. not this we did time. that yeah, we did that for an hour and a half previously. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. all, that's as much as anybody needs. True. Uh, what we did bring you on was to talk about L.A. Because, because Chewy, L.A. is in the news. It is. Uh, I wanted to read you maybe just a second off of this story. Uh, this is from a couple days ago. L.A. Sheriff's Department deputy overcome by fentanyl after Rosemead traffic stop and rushed to hospital. So paramedics were called out to assist the deputy and he was rushed along the I-10 freeway to Los Angeles County USC Medical Center. 
Video from the Air 7 HD showed the deputy appearing to be unconscious as he was rushed into the emergency room. The deputy was later reported to be conscious, alert, and was expected to recover. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So our latest attack of, uh, you know, Havana syndrome for cops, right? Uh, You know, obviously there was a sheriff's deputy feeling he was not getting enough attention back at the office. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Tried to act out like little kids do. Yeah, basically. I mean, what an easy job. Like, being a cop is such a grift, right? Like, if you ever feel like you're about to be in trouble in any way, just roll down the window and go, oh, fentanyl, and fall over and start, you know, uh, gyrating on the floor like those people that claim the vaccine was giving them the shakes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure, though, that that might not have been, like, a life hack to avoid traffic going home. Like, maybe he was about to get off his shift, (laughs) and traffic is bad. He's like, God, how can I get downtown? This is Quickly. that famous LA traffic he's yeah. just trying and to so, get out of, you know. So he's like, I will I will fake a fentanyl seizure just <laughs> to get to get to downtown quickly. Well, you know, I mean, that would be bigger news if it weren't that every cop in America is literally doing this scheme every single day. Mm-hmm. And if it weren't for the fact that other members of the LA Sheriff's, you know, department are overshadowing them a bit. Uh speaking of yes. the current la county sheriff alex villanueva who is uh currently running you know, re- running for re-election looks like he's gonna have to go into a runoff uh, i don't think he has yes. enough votes to avoid yeah, the runoff that's the but, last thing yeah i saw that too but i i suspect is i mean look let's be serious he's getting re-elected but um yeah. Yeah. he has uh declined to testify to the uh, civilian oversight commission on the issue of Dun, 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 dun. gangs gangs mm. in la gangs where gangs in the la sheriff's department right <laughs> yeah. and the funny part is is that he so he was subpoenaed by the civilian oversight commission and to show you what these uh, subpoenas are worth he responded by sending a super long letter with a list of demands yeah yeah he's <laughs> a terrorist yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the demands are stuff like he should be able to cross-examine not just every witness that speaks before the civilian oversight commission but he should be able to cross-examine like everybody on the commission and oh, all the lawyers involved. he wanted too. also like an opening <laughs> statement too yeah. like that was that was like i thought that stuck out to me where i was like to what end like okay like yeah it's it's so it's so strange yeah yeah and like a true psycho i mean it's it's a pretty long list of demands but it's all written in just one flowing paragraph right mm-hmm. so it's all just smashed together oh it really uh, is yeah it's hard to read because yeah it's just a block yeah <laughs> it's a giant block of text oh and he wanted all the questions ahead of time because he didn't want He's against uh, gotcha, gotcha questions. questions yeah i don't like gotcha questions <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't want any gotcha questions like how long have these gangs been operating right. in the sheriff's department? Yeah, um, I mean, pretty funny because this sort of investigation has been going on for a while now. Uh, you'd think he would know what they're asking about, but this is clearly just, you know, uh, him refusing to go to the thing but then claiming to his chud base like oh no i i, I don't want any of those libs I, you know, I'm, I'm not fond of that lib trap well you know in a a classic democrat move when he originally ran for office he was the democrat the yeah, they, yeah. that was their pick he was their pick well that's the funny i mean we should talk a little <laughs> bit about alex villanueva right because he's this very interesting character in that uh he comes out of the East LA uh, Sheriff's Precinct, right? Which is, we'll get into that later about why mm-hmm. that's important. Yeah. But um, he, at various times, once he reached some positions of being in charge there, kind of claimed that he was in one of the sheriff's gangs uh, in, uh, in the sheriff's department. But hilariously, uh, the New Yorker did interviews with sheriffs uh, from that precinct in the 80s, right? Who were willing to talk to him or retired who were in the various gangs there, the cavemen being the big one that he was claiming to be a part of. And they were all like, oh no, we all thought he was a loser. And yeah, we just they ignored him. him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they hate him. Yeah. And, you know, presumably uh, because he felt like he wasn't able to get in with the gangs, you know, he kind of approached this, this different tact. Like right after Rodney King, he started pushing this thing of like, you know, there's not enough uh, Latinos in charge of the police <laughs> in uh, L.A. And that he was being overlooked, you know, and that this was a chance for 
you know, the, he was essentially running on the woke ticket. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, he was. No, yeah, you know? yeah, he was. He really was. Like, and you know, it was kind of humorous because when he ultimately ran for sheriff, he both was like, you know, I'm. Uh, it's it's finally time we had Latinx, uh, a Latinx sheriff. I'm going to come in. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give us a rainbow department, all that, which of course lives bit, like ate all that shit up, oh, and yeah. loved him and supported him. But he also apparently was telling the L.A. Sheriff's Union, right? So the union for the uh, deputy rank and file, right? He was telling them that he wouldn't invest investigate sheriff's gangs, and was also kind of hinting to them by you know uh, I think he was. He wore like a caveman shirt or a reaper's shirt or something like that. Yeah. And he put up a Fort Apache sticker in the hall of uh, his precinct building, right? On one of the doors. Uh, it basically was hinting to them like, guys, it's like we're going to have a new open era of gangs mm-hmm. in the sheriff's department. Yeah. <laughs> Which this is the classic move. I mean, in Seattle, all the libs in Seattle fell for this when Carmen Best ran. And there was another candidate that ran against her that was out of uh, state or whatever. And, the, and all the all the good like woke libs here lined up and were like it like, you know, this city has to appoint this beautiful, strong black woman to mm-hmm. be uh, the head of the police department. And that'll definitely change the culture at SPD, even though she was like the PR flack for SPD that covered for all their crimes, right? Yeah. <laughs> That'll change everything. And, you know, of course, nothing ever changes. They're shocked every time by this, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it turns out this is, a, like I said, a bit of a, a gang problem in the LA uh, Sheriff's Department. You know, you you've kind of been following a little bit of this, Chewy. Uh, what 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 you yeah. got? What you what should we know about these sheriffs' gangs? Have you joined one yet? Which one have you joined? Uh, um, what tattoo I've did you f- get? I've had a few offers. Uh, one from the Compton Executioners, which <laughs> I like their logo because it's like a it looks like an SOD cover because like a skull, yeah. like a command, like a skull commando with like fire <laughs> around him or something. <laughs> Um, that's literally what i thought when i saw it i was like oh yeah. sod yeah part of it was kind of like it's pretty sick but um <laughs> uh you know the east side's got the banditos so i feel like i should join my fellow brown people yeah and, you know, uh, culturally that's yeah that's I pull, i'm pulled the metal head in me is pulled to the compton uh, executioners but <laughs> the latino in me is pulled towards the east the, the east la banditos yeah i mean I feel like if I was down there, like the wayside whiteies feels like where I yeah, I, I, should, totally I should you. go. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, there's one gang that's just called Posse. And, <laughs> and I kind of like the mysteriousness of it, you know? Like, right. Yeah. It's so vague. <laughs> yeah. It's so vague. Uh, it, it seems kind of weird. Like, I, you know, it, it sounds like an interesting one. Um you know, and of course, the little devils is just delightful. So that's true. That's just cute. And you know, to give uh, listeners a hint of how many gangs operate within the LA Sheriff's Department, uh, they have their own Wikipedia page that's just a list of it's LA a, Sheriff's um, Department gangs. Um, I, I guess we should, but we, you know, what we got the talking about the logos. Uh, I guess if someone doesn't know, we should explain what the the gangs are, which they're basically just operating as a gang would operate, but it's within law enforcement so they can get away with yeah everything they get away with everything yeah let me read this intro right so we'll put links to this down in the show notes but knock la which is a like alternative news Mm -hmm. source in los angeles did a really amazing expose earlier or actually in in march of last year Mm. uh about these sheriff's department gangs and I'm going to read this little intro they have at the beginning of each of their articles. I think there's 15 articles in the series. Yeah. You should read it all. It's amazing. Yeah. But here's the intro. There are at least 18 gangs within the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Officials at various government agencies, including the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors, the Los Angeles County District Attorney, the California Senate uh, Subcommittee on Police Officer Conduct, and the United States Commission on Civil Rights, I've heard testimony on the violence inflicted on communities at the hands of deputy gangs for decades. And yet there have not yet been any internal investigations or significant policy changes to address the issue. Deputy gangs have killed at least 19 people, all of whom were men of color. At least four of them had a mental illness. 
Los Angeles County keeps a list of lawsuits related to the deputy gangs. Litigation related to these cases has cost the county just over $100 million over the past 30 years. All right. So that gives you kind of an idea of the size and the fact that everybody's known about them for a long time. And to kind of get to the detail, these gangs are, you know, groups within the sheriff's department who operate a, essentially as a criminal organization would right. anywhere. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. They're a protection racket for their fellow sheriffs, right? They are sheriff's deputies. They work to get, you know, gang mem- you know, members of the gang promoted. They have, you know, matching tattoos and things like that. And they have a fun little practice that they like to call chasing ink, which is uh, where they go out in pursuit of people to shoot and potentially murder uh, in exchange for which they receive, you know, sort of brownie points in the gang world, right? In their in their department, mm-hmm. and maybe could be even eventually inducted into one of the ga- many gangs that operates throughout the uh, each city precinct or yeah, each area. Yeah, wow. and the interesting thing is they've known about these gangs since at least the mid seventies, right. um, when documents were leaked talking about how during the 1970 Chicano moratorium against the war in East LA, which was a protest march against the Vietnam Vietnam. war. Mm -hmm. Uh, The East Los Angeles uh, sheriff's department precinct uh, came in, started beating the shit out of all the protesters after being told to keep a low profile uh, and killed four people, including a journalist who they had a grudge against because he had done some critical reporting of the LA Sheriff's Department of that precinct. Uh, so they killed him as well. Yeah. Uh, he was not at the protest. He was actually drinking coffee at a cafe when they shot him. You know, so. I think also on a quick side note, this was, um, I think this is a case of any like fans of um, Hunter S. Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 his lawyer it was a real guy named Oscar Acosta. And I, he was a, a real lawyer in East LA. And I believe he, worked on this case this is one of the cases that he worked on just a little yeah. f a little side note <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah next time uh you're watching uh fear things, and loathing yeah fear and loathing las vegas uh that guy is a critical part of the story but well, no no he, no he he um initially i think before he got kind of lost in the sauce with drugs and all that he was um kind of known for being an activist and uh, working taking those cases as a lawyer in east l.a well, great that Hunter could take him on. Yeah, way to go, Hunter. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> anyway, yeah, sorry, sorry. Just just a little, uh, you know, today I learned. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so these gangs, you know, they have operated pretty much unimpeded in unchecked. Los Angeles ever since. Yeah, and unchecked. And, I mean, the interesting thing about it is everybody knows and has known for decades that they're there and what they're about. Uh so, like, the big gang in the 70s was called the Little Red Devils. Uh, by the 80s, there was the groups, the Wayside Whiteys, who operated... So the Sheriff's Department operates all the county jails, the county lockups, right? Which is where mm-hmm. a lot of people end up in prison, you know? And uh, the Wayside Whiteys uh, ran the uh, prisons, uh, <laughs> you know, in one area of uh, Los Angeles, as well as worked the streets. Uh, there was another group called the Linwood Vikings. Both these gangs were explicitly white supremacist gangs. Um Here's a quote from uh, No Knock LA's reporting. An anonymous Viking told the LA Times at the time, quote, it's the neighborhood, the environment, what we're up against that makes us Vikings. You have to have a strong ID out there because of the minority element. It's like a war. The Los Angeles Times reported that Linwood Station boasted a, quote, map of Linwood in the shape of Africa, the racist cartoons of black men, the mock ticket to Africa posted on the wall. Um, so to give you a, a flavor for these guys, and by the way, it's the LA times writing about them. in I believe 1990. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Well, I think also if people don't know, if they haven't heard from like nineties gangster rap, you know, it's Compton, it's Linwood, it's East LA. Mm-hmm. You don't hear about the Beverly Hills bad boys. You don't hear about these like sheriff gangs in affluent areas. It's not like the 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 Malibu Maulers. You don't have that. These are all yeah. in primarily African American or Mexican American uh, communities. Yeah, and yeah. It's not and, a coincidence. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, uh, the the gangs, you know, they evolve. You know. 
the sheriff's department was overwhelmingly white in the 80s but as the 90s came along you know they they started to hire some latinos right they started to hire some black uh sheriff's deputies and the gangs just evolved to bring these people into the fold while at the same time maintaining the exact same level of terror <laughs> like yeah. terror campaigns against the local population i know um, I, you know i i shouldn't be surprised but just looking at the names like so like some of the shot callers like uh, it's a lot of fucking hispanic names too where i'm like man oh yeah i shouldn't so- be surprised anymore but you know yeah, I, I still am. I still am. Sometimes the shot callers are what they call the leader, internal leaders of the gangs. I mean, these guys literally are just doing the whole routine, right? Like they they watched one too many movies. Yeah, they like, saw the yeah. Godfather in Casino too many times. Yeah, yeah, they like to call themselves OGs as well. It's so embarrassing. But the interesting thing is Alex Villanueva, who's your current sheriff, uh, he was a mere deputy in the eighties and nineties. At the time, you know, he made some oblique references to maybe being part of the cavemen. In the 90s, he claimed that he that, that were all cavemen in the East L.A. precinct. Now, some former members say that he was just a nerd, you know, pretending. Yeah, a wannabe, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> a wannabe. But it is interesting because he sort of, like, came up, in, you know, in that gang culture, at least. And he wanted to be in it. I mean, that, that part seems to be, you know, clear, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, he's surrounded himself with people who are in these groups. So uh, one character who I'd like to introduce people to because he rocks so much is Creepy Carl Mondoyan, who is called Creepy Carl by other sheriff's deputies. Apparently that's his like precinct name. Uh, Creepy Carl is a member of the Grim Reapers <laughs> um, who have a death's head emblem and yes, a S.O.D. style uh, tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um Creepy Carl uh, was fired from uh, the sheriff's department. And you think, oh, my God, how is that possible? Well, probably for his gang activity. Right. But uh, actually, he was fired for beating his girlfriend. And you think, but wait, isn't that just like a regular Friday night for police? Right. You know, (laughs) Uh, the problem being that his girlfriend was also a sheriff's deputy. And I guess you know, filed a little internal complaint against him. And then he lied to the the review board about it. And so they decided just easier to get rid of him. But the funny part is, is they got rid of him. And, uh, you know, this is back in 2018, right when Villanueva was running for sheriff. And after he got fired, Villanueva hired him to work on his campaign <laughs> where creepy Carl and his wife basically insinuated themselves into the campaign and became Alex Villanueva's like closest advisors. Right. Yeah. To the point that when uh, Villanueva became sheriff, he had creepy Carl come and help pin his new, you know, badge or whatever on his uniform at the ceremony, you know, sort of announcing him sheriff. Uh, He made, you know, getting creepy Carl back into the sheriff's department, you know, a top priority. Mm -hmm. Now, the funny part, though, is I, I, I want to read you this. Yeah, this is from the New Yorker article here. So <laughs> just to give you an idea of the brains here going on in this whole operation. Uh, Mendoyan was reinstated with back pay in December of 2018. He had his badge and his gun back and soon a job in logistics. But his main role, insiders say, was helping the Villanuevas adjust to a life in politics. Mendoyan started calling Vivian, that's Alex Villanueva's wife, the first lady and the queen. According to the deputy who worked with Villanueva, Alex and Vivian would binge watch House of Cards and designated survivor with Mondoyan. They took quote, they took a lot from those shows. They learned how to be political, how ruthless politics are. Their whole mindset was, wow, look at how Kevin Spacey was able to coordinate certain things and still come out on top. This is incredible. LARPing. Yeah, these are dorks that fucking think this shit's real. Like these TV shows. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're LARPing. These guys are nerds. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had the misfortune of watching a House of Cards episode. Yes, I think I saw like the first three or four episodes of season one. It is the like penultimate politics for dumb guys show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this is how politics work if you're a fucking moron. Like, yeah. yeah it's like oh i just go eat some crab legs and yeah yeah he goes down yeah. to like the barbecue place yeah i forgot about that yeah <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> just incredible stuff but it's so funny i mean i think 
what this demonstrates to me is the level of total impunity that the sheriff's office has always worked under that you know a moron like alex villadueva who's like literally doing kevin spacey bits or whatever could maintain could get elected and maintain his position in the way that he has right it's like oh that's not his genius that's just that there's like no accountability there's, in the yeah so like, um, <laughs> speaking of which i guess this we can mention mm-hmm. him now but when i first heard about the sheriff gangs it's because i was on i was on munia's favorite uh app reddit and i was on rla <laughs> i was looking up at our los angeles just to see i know there's, there's a ton of stuff to do but it's overwhelming i, I was just on there to see fun stuff to do right mm-hmm and there was a lawyer who's there's several lawyers that have lawsuits against the county right now, but um, this uh, lawyer in particular, his name is Alan Romero. He's pretty active on the our Los Angeles uh, subreddit, and he posts often about new developments in the cases or breakthroughs with uh, this whole sheriff gang problem. And uh, that's where I first heard about it. And I looked up, I looked into it just on my own. But one thing he had, because he's pretty active, he'll respond to you on Reddit. Like if you're commenting on posts, he's pretty quick about responding if people have questions. And uh, he, what he had pointed out, and I think one of the news, like I think NBC LA or something also said it, but that like, let's say for example, that oversight committee, they don't have the power to remove Villanueva. (laughs) <laughs> All they can do is just kind of like wag their finger at him. Literally, the unless he were to step down, it's really like the FBI would have to step in. There's really nothing. He's at this terminal point, Villanueva, that really no one can get him out unless it would it'd be something a very powerful entity. Yeah, like yeah. A federal level, because even that oversight committee that he's doesn't want to talk to or has all these demands, even then he could just go in there and. I wish he, I guess he is doing it. Tell them nothing. All the oversight committee can do is just kind of try and shed a spotlight on him, and, and yeah, and just kind of give him a tongue lashing. But that's it. Th- yeah, this guy is pretty much stuck in there until he loses reelection. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, all the oversight committee can do is basically say, "Can you believe this guy?" Yeah, yeah. And, I, <laughs> and that was sort of the response to him, basically tell him to fuck off on the subpoena, and you know. It, <laughs> for all his like pretend political genius and like 12th dimensional chess, I'm sure he thought he was doing with his like list of demands with his house uh, of card tactics. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like yeah. the reality is, is he just stumbled upon that. Like in America, if you have a certain amount of power, like nobody, like you literally can't tell me to fuck up. And there's like nothing they can do. Yeah. <laughs> right. Especially you know, like, with law enforcement. Yeah. 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 Right. You just tell them, uh, piss off. I don't care. Right. And that essentially, I mean, if he just had looked at the actual history of the sheriff's department, part of which he lived, right, I mean, that would be obvious because what you have is a organization engage, engage in essentially egregious fucking crimes, yeah. you know? Um, there's a, a particular crime in uh, the 1990s with the Linwood Vikings where they chased down a driver in a high speed pursuit at 40 miles an hour. Uh, they chased this driver all the way into, uh, wait, 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 to be fair with this, with traffic, with the speed limits, <laughs> as fast as you can naturally go 45 is pretty fast. Let's not, let's not, <laughs> let's not diminish the speed of that, of that pursuit. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, they chased this man into uh, long beach, uh, at which point two long beach police officers follow them. And uh, the young man pulls over the Linwood Sheriff's Department, of which, you know, the members who pull them over are members of the Vikings, uh, get out. They walk up to the car and they immediately open fire on the guy, shooting him like 15 times. And according to the Long Beach police officers and their report and, you know, in their testimony, they're like, yeah, we just saw that. Like one of them says, I looked at my partner and said, I think we just saw the Sheriff's Department execute somebody. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. This didn't even reach the murmur phase of scandal (laughs) (laughs) for the LA Sheriff's department. Right. And, you know, there's just lists, you know, you know, (laughs) crime after crime of this kind of stuff happening. Um, You know, so here, here's a little story. This is again from the New Yorker profile villain away. Right. Talking again about the people he sort of surrounds himself. 
Uh, so Little Wave, he it's sort of like a, a Marcos, a, you know, a Ferdinand and Imelda Marcos situation. Like this is a one A one B rulership. It seems like mm-hmm. uh, his wife Vivian, I guess, controls the promotions within the department, and uh, you know, Alex handles the publicity. But one particular friend of Vil- uh, Vivian, one particular friend of Vivian Villanueva, Carrie Robles Placencia. Seems to have had her career saved by her proximity to power. One evening in November 2017, Carrie, a trainee at East LA Station, who reportedly had previously worked under Vivian, was driving a department SUV to a call. Without turning on her siren, she ran a red light and collided with another car. In the resulting multi-car accident, Carrie accelerated onto the sidewalk where she struck and killed two children, aged seven and nine, who were standing with their mother. So, let's just be clear. L.A. Sheriff's Department deputy uh, ran a red light, right? Just in their car, casually, running a red light. Crashed into another car, caused a multi-car collision. Then, what, what they mean by accelerated on the, onto the sidewalk, what they mean is tried to flee the scene and murdered yes. two children. Yeah, in the process. Yeah. Okay. The LAPD, yeah. which responded to the accident found Carrie at fault, and the county has paid out more than $22 million in settlements. But the district attorney declined to file criminal charges, and Carrie has reportedly received no discipline. After Villanueva took office, he made her part of his executive projects team, a group made up largely of Vivian's friends that plans town hall meetings and other events. Carrie still drives a county car and has often been seen with Vivian, whom she calls Mom. (laughs) Um... To give like a, a level of the both criminality and corruption sort of yeah. involved inherent in the sheriff's department. Yeah. Again, these are the kind of things that nobody even like loses uh, a wink of sleep to, right? Apparently, in L- official LA circles, they just pay off whoever they got to pay off to make it go away and call it a day, right? No need to worry about the sheriff's department games. Yeah. And all that's the taxpayers' money. I was going to mention, I'm glad you mentioned, like, the sheer amount of lawsuits and settlements they've had to do. Is the taxpayers footing the bill? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right, is that, you know, those sort of lawsuits or whatever, they have no impact on the department itself because that money just gets taken out of the library fund or whatever, right? Yeah. Right, you know? Yeah. And so for the police, there's literally just no discipline that, no. you know, disciplinary measures, which, of course, encourages them to think, oh. Well, there's, you know, obviously everybody approves of what we're doing, right? Like at every level of government, they must approve of what we do. And uh, I got to say, I think they're right. Like that. Oh, yeah. Clearly. How else you're supposed to read into that? (laughs) Yeah. Also, um, even then, as far as like just the levels to this, there was um, an incident. I think it was a Christmas party or it was maybe just a party. Because this is what's been coming up recently, where like some of the deputies beat up, basically jumped another deputy, and it was Mm -hmm. uh, the banditos. And I guess it was a guy that wasn't playing ball or didn't want to be part of the banditos. So not even, you know, speaking to like these deputies, the sheriff's department members are basically like above the law. It's not even even if you're just a regular person working in the sheriff's department. If you don't want to be part of this, you're not even safe, even if you're just like, I have a badge. I just don't want to be part of your little group. Yeah, yeah. Even You're not even safe internally if you're not involved or associated with one of these internal gangs. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, that's what comes out in the No Knock LA articles is these gangs actually run all the precincts, right? So one, they control all your assignments, promotions, etc., but with that comes, as you might predict, quite a bit of abuse within the department itself, right? So, yeah, deputies are perceived to not be playing ball or run out of the department. They're threatened, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they tell stories of, you know, deputies pulling guns on other deputies, like in the locker room, putting them against their heads, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, some of the stuff that's really heinous is, and you'll be shocked to hear the treatment of women within the sheriff's department, oh. especially heinous. Um, you know, the gangs try and get themselves so 
you have training officers, right? So they are the Denzel Washington of training day, right? <laughs> right. And you got trainees played by you know, Ethan Hawke or whoever, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the gangs try and get the, uh, you know, their guys as the TOs, right? As training officers, right? To take people out, to show them the ropes, right? To let them yeah. know how it's going to be. And uh, apparently it's extremely common and well understood in the department that particularly... Um, members of the banditos but other gangs uh you know compton executions etc that they that when they have female trainees that they demand sexual favors in exchange for you know signing off on their training and things like that you know uh what in another you know if it wasn't cops doing it you might refer to as rape right um the women are referred to not by their names but as bitch and cunt and all that kind of stuff right uh, this sounds I sounds mean, like the work environment for mechanical freak when we, the way we talk to each other. <laughs> Do not encourage the listeners to indulge this, but yes, <laughs> but yes, it is. <laughs> that's just how everybody refers to me. But, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that is true. That's facts. Yeah. But uh, you know, I mean, one of the things that we've covered on the show a lot, right, is you know, in these right wing movements, the deep hatred of women and. Uh, it is there in spades in these reports about these sheriff's gangs. I mean, it's really horrifying stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, to the extent that really a lot of this information has come out, has come out uh, from other deputies, not complaining, by the way, about how any of these people treat the civilian population who they treat infinitely worse, yeah. but just complain about how they were treated within the department. Oh, yeah, you know? it is. It's, uh, they call the three amigos, they call the scum sucking dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, right? Never gets old. Um, you know, uh, yeah. but yeah, you know, um, but it, you know, that that's brought out some of this information, which is all pretty horrifying. But again, I when I hear that, all I can think is, okay, if they're treating the other deputies in the office like that, how are they treating like regular people on the oh, street? Yeah, exactly. And- That's why, like, like even if they are willing to, like, you, you cops are going to always like protect cops, right? Like, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But if these guys are such animals, they'll just turn on their fellow officers. Yeah, this just shows the the level of people or yeah. like what the type of people that you're dealing with. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the the thing is, is that I, I don't want at this point to get it sort of twisted that this is a story that only involves this one rogue you know, department that is the L.A. Sheriff's Department, which, by the way, has something like 10,000 employees. I mean, I think sometimes when we say L.A. Sheriff's Department, people are imagining, you know, uh, like uh, was it Andy Griffith. And, oh, yeah. Uh, or kind know. of like in Texas, where it's yeah. it really is more like the P.D.'s kind of run stuff and the sheriff's it's like constables like yeah this different yeah. in la county the sheriff's department is well they have to oversee one of the largest prison complexes on the planet yeah. you know which is part of why it's so huge is the you know work that, you know the work they do oversee in the prisons you know uh which one of the things that's heavily insinuated uh if not outright proven in these articles is that the la sheriff's department is pretty integral to running like drugs and stuff in the prisons but you know shock of all shocks right yeah but um you know this kind of violence you know interdepartmental violence is uh standard to just sort of policing generally right uh in particular there was an incident in i believe is in uh, 1989 where long beach police officers had come out black police officers at long beach had come out complaining about the distribution of kkk literature and stuff like that within the department and one of them had a noose waiting for him in his locker and the other one was thrown through a plate glass window by fellow officers (laughs) um you know in the 90s during the christopher commission in la right which the christopher commission was a uh investigation of the narcotics and gang task force uh in LA and within LAPD and the uh, extremely criminal behavior they were up to. If you've actually ever watched training day, that's kind of what it's like mimicked off of. But uh, during the Christopher commission, uh, they had, uh, let's see, you know, one black officer testified before the uh, Christopher commission discovered a chalk outline in front of his locker marked to indicate two bullet wounds in the head. 
After testifying before the commission, another officer found a hanged man's noose tied to his telephone. They like the noose stunt, you know? Yeah, you know, well, because these people aren't very original. So, you know, they just got to go with the same, uh, yeah, same gag, yeah. so to speak. I, I think it was the, I, I got to remember from that article, but I, it was like the Linwood Vikings and like mm. the precinct map. They drew it to look like Africa. Yeah. And, yeah, and like the characterization of African Americans was like the kind of the old yeah. 30s cartoons kind of stuff that's gruesomely racist right and i think that's interesting about a gang you know working with the sheriff's bar like the banditos which appears to be like largely latino too right is it it challenges this idea of race and racism as like oh the police are only racist because it's full of white people or whatever right as opposed to racism is foundational to the function of the police which those are actually two different critiques all right one critique says the police are easily reformable by just hiring non, you know, getting, replacing the white people with Latinos or black officers or whatever. And the thing that is interesting about that critique is that's already happened <laughs> in a lot of departments, you know, yeah. uh, all over the country. Yet the violence in a lot of those departments has only increased steadily over time uh, and has continued to be extremely racist. I mean, think the people who killed Freddie gray in the baltimore pd were black officers right you know who were then let off by a black da right um you know it, the banditos are largely latino officers terrorizing a latino community and chewy as you are extremely well aware like myself as anybody who's lived in a border region uh the border patrol ain't white guys nope. <laughs> you know, people, people yeah. always talk about like oh the white racists of the border patrol it's like you have no experience with the border patrol mm. <laughs> they aren't white no. you know yeah but it yeah. shows the complexity of how racism functions though. well you know i i can't remember if it was was it menace to society or boys in the hood where there's that scene where the cops arrest them in the parking lot oh that's it's boys black in the hood it's boys yeah, in the hood right the, yeah. yeah and it's yeah. like that it do be like that like that's probably taken from a, a real life situation that probably happened to well, the scriptwriter or something like that's not that's not I just mean, hollywood um over something you know ice cube and nwa right when you know they're talking you know fuck the police or whatever you know when he says you know black police are showing out for the white cops right you know the idea that like the one who gives it to you worse is going to be the fucking black cop yeah, right yeah <laughs> you know because he's got something to prove you gotta, there, yeah you, you gotta know? be yes yeah, looks like the white guy in the mexican gangs in prison he you got to be the craziest one to be initiated to be accepted yeah yeah, yeah. and you know it and it shows the sort of complexity about race because I think people view it through this sort of mechanical lens of like, oh, you know, uh, like in order to be racist or whatever, uh, you have to be uh, white, right? Because yeah. like a Latino wouldn't be racist against another Latino or something out yeah. of some sort of uh, whatever, in, in you know, sense of national pride or something. You know, like, I don't know what is supposed to stop that from happening, given the clear material advantages that be that engaging in racism brings people, you know, which I think is the, what we're avoiding in the conversation. We talk about that kind of stuff in that way is that the reason why racism exists is that there's clear material advantages to it. You know, yeah. going along with these sheriff's gangs will get you promoted, will get you where you want to be. Right. And, yeah. And maybe even if you're not, you're not the type of person that would have been inclined to join when you see that, like, damn, they just jumped so and so at a yeah. Christmas party, like, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, you are gonna be like, well, maybe you know, slippery <laughs> slope. I could, I could easily see myself being like, okay, I'm just gonna say I'm, I'm with them so that I don't get harassed, and if the worst I gotta do is maybe, you know, arrest a few other extra people a month, like, you, I'm sure you tell yourself like, I'm not, but I'm not gonna like sink to this level. But then, yeah, it's insipid, so you're you're in it. I'm sure there's so many people that started off thinking i'll just go yeah. along with it for now but i'll never plant evidence or i'll never hide a gun because someone else shot a deputy shot uh suspect you know yeah next well, thing you, you know three years in they're just as bad as everybody else yeah every step is a step you know further down the road right and it begins i mean there's a really interesting quote in the knock la articles from a guy who's been investigating these uh sheriff's gangs since the 90s and he says, he's like, hey, you know, what it is, is like when I was in Vietnam. And he's like, when I was a Marine in Vietnam, you know, we were sent to this country that we didn't know anything about, right? We didn't care about anybody that was there. 
we knew we were leaving and so we could do whatever we wanted to these yeah. people right you know they were totally dehumanized he's like the sheriff's department is the same way they're put into communities they have no business being in they hate and are suspicious of everybody within it and they do whatever they want to those people because they know that at the end of the day they're leaving you know and that they're not gonna have to stay there right and and i think that explains sort of a lot of it because a lot of people yeah they want to think oh i wouldn't go down that road i i would stand up to the Linwood vikings yeah I, yeah i would stand yeah. up to the cops and executioners uh, but the reality of structural violence is the reason why it works is that that's not actually true for most people is uh you're gonna see the overwhelming negatives to you personally for standing up to them and you know are you are you going to do that against uh you know to defend a community you have no connection to and have been taught your whole life to maybe fear and hate and whatever mm -hmm. like obviously not which leads to this sort of structural problem with the sheriff's department itself which is there's these calls now we got to have hearings about these gangs so we got to do something about the gang problem but i don't know how you resolve this it's estimated that 20 percent of the sheriff's department are in these gangs right yeah. so how do you resolve this without just getting rid of the entire department i, I don't see any way yeah. around that no and it you know also how uh how e even if you think like oh well, it's just the sheriff it's just internal in the sheriff's department that they are burying this stuff or uh i guess also with that incident with the christmas party and they jumped the other deputy that didn't want to be part of the gang the deputy sheriff barred the internal affairs from investigating that so <laughs> and also yeah. that that same lawyer that's pretty uh vocal on reddit he had just published a the dep is uh the affidavit or whatever i don't know the legal term for it but <laughs> where he they discovered it's a judge his name is william fahey and he's on the he's a judge in the LA circuit and that he had tried to cover up existence of the Compton executioners. And he was saying yeah. the same people were like, well, you should get rid of them. And he was like, it is 99% impossible to get rid of a sitting judge. And so yeah. this is it's not even just like maybe someone might think or have this kind of hopeful approach, like, well, what if, you know, what if the courts get involved? These guys are, it goes up to the judges themselves are helping these gangs by trying to suppress information and try to get yeah, rid I mean, of evidence. Yeah, again, I mean, we're talking about organizations that have been public knowledge since at least the mid 70s. Uh, you know, when you go through the Knock LA article, a lot of the citations they're doing when they're talking about the history of these gangs are LA Times articles from the time period, right? The yeah. 1980s, yeah. the 1990s, right? There's been steady. I remember hearing about the Limwood Vikings in the 1990s, right? You know, there was big when the Christopher Commission came out. There was big discussions about whether there was going to be any sort of investigation of the LA Sheriff's Department then, right? You know, this has been well documented and well understood, but it's all, but it's it's sort of like a, a, a an official secret or something, right? Yes. We just all agree that we're going to pretend it doesn't exist, even though we all yeah. fucking know it exists and right. it's all right there. And that kind of thing can only happen with the aid of everybody above the sheriff's department in the society right the judges right the politicians the news media right mm -hmm. who you know while they report on it aren't going hard on it all the time right i mean they could you know there's never a day that passes there aren't at least three articles in any city newspaper about the homeless now you got to eradicate them right you could do that about the sheriff's department yep. you know sheriff's You're department right. that's a good point you know, yeah. you can have that. You can beat people with that club over the head. There's a lot more stuff to write about with the sheriff's department. I mean, there's some pretty heinous stuff in here. Yeah, we're just kind of scratching the. Sur this is this is us just kind of surface level looking into it too. Yeah, I mean, I, I really do encourage people to go through the entire uh, Knock LA series. There, uh, it's it's really worth reading through, but it's you know it's incredible and you know i just don't know and i think this would be the opinion of the authors of that article series i don't know how you read this and just don't think you just have to get rid of the sheriff's department like right, like everybody in it has to go you know which of course leads to the problem that they would all just get jobs in other police departments you know but yeah i you know i don't know this is not these aren't like reformable organizations no no um if i think that same lawyer, uh, Alan Romero, he has a, a YouTube channel. It's not like a, 
like a hey subscribers type of like a content YouTube channel. But he he posted, I guess he just did a deposition of the Compton Executioner's shot caller, uh, Jamie Wades, mm-hmm. who is mentioned in that uh, Knock LA articles. Mm-hmm. But there, his deposition is up. The lawyer just posted the deposition with him. It's long. It's like an hour. But um, I think if people are bored or or kind of want to skim through, uh, which I've been doing, you know, the last hour or so, it's pretty interesting. And this is an officer that, that's had four shootings just t- to his name. And you yeah. can kind of see him kind of get angry when uh, Mr. Romero starts, like, questioning him. Uh yeah, that's that's another thing. If if you want to check out that Knock LA, if you want to do a deep dive, uh, Romero Law APC is the YouTube channel for the lawyer. Yeah, he's posting up a, a few things about the uh, the deposition with the Compton executioners. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll it's put a, a we'll put a link yeah. down in the the show yeah. notes. And yeah, and I think you know the the sort of you know kind of close out our thoughts on sheriff's department too. I mean, I I think we would be remiss if we didn't connect the LA sheriff's gangs do something that's more of a rural sheriff's movement, which is the constitutional sheriff's movement of which pretty much every rural County sheriff is a, uh, is a member of, which is the group that believes that uh, they're, <laughs> they, they came out of the oath keepers and their whole thing is that the sheriff's office is actually the highest office in the land above the president <laughs> and whatever. And that, uh, no federal law or whatever can touch the sheriff's office, but the sheriff can overturn any federal law, right? Oh um, this is believed by most sheriffs, I think, in rural counties at this point. Uh, most of them belong to these things. And yeah, it's cheesy, it's corny, it sounds like uh, the less hip version of the gangs in LA, but isn't that the you know rural-urban divide in a nutshell, though? Yeah, you know, as far as culture goes, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. just as dangerous. And to the extent that, do you think that pol- you know other police officers take this stuff seriously? This is from a 2016 article in Law Officer Magazine, which is a police trade journal. Uh, oh yeah, talk- I'm a I'm an avid uh, subscriber to that one. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with them. Yeah. As listeners know, sadly, I am. Um, but <laughs> but they referred to these guys as sagebrush sheriffs, you know, referred to them as the, quote, last line of defense against the liberal policies of the federal government and the anti-gun rhetoric from the left, right? Uh, they then go on to say that sheriffs can assume the authority to nullify the Fed if they are trying to implement unconstitutional law. So, I mean, I think these... I think the base people get lost in the idea of how stupid this is, right? The idea that like the sheriff is the highest office uh, office in the land, but let me reword it. What the police are saying is there is no authority above the police themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what they're really saying, yeah. which is why when sheriffs tell this to regular cops, like at law officer magazine, the regular cops say, yeah, we are in charge. <laughs> of course. Yeah. 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 Um, also speaking to that, sage uh, not the the national sheriff <laughs> that weird belief um yeah yeah the constitutional sheriffs constitutional sheriff um just to also like if someone is thinking like oh there's there's these dumb hicks right out there uh, in another article i think it was an nbc la article they had just mentioned that they were like filming just the locker room and they were like if you look closely in some of the lockers you can see proud boy and 3% and the people know 3%, it's the yeah. idea that only 3% of uh, the Amer- people in the American colonies uh, were involved with the war for independence. So the 3% yeah. and proud boy insignias in their locker room. So maybe even like a nihilist or a cynic might be like, Oh, well there are, or I could picture some white supposed liberal wine mom being like, well, I live in Beverly Hills. I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff, but it is, is these same animals that are also going to be on the streets as a proud boy or as a three percenter or mm-hmm. as these f- think they think they're fucking Wyatt Earp and can go. It, it is that it is, it bleeds into everything else. It's yeah, not just yeah. self-contained in Linwood. It's just not just self-contained in Compton. These are the guys yeah. that are going to be out there trying to beat you up, dressed up as proud boys when you're at a demonstration. Exactly. It's all of a piece, right? Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we leave it there? I, we've depressed the listeners enough. All right. <laughs> we started off dark when we told we had to break the news that they tore down Vinnie Paul's house. <laughs> so this already started off on a sour note. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I would like to thank uh, some some new. Oh my god, I've lost the notes. Okay. I'd like to thank some new patrons. The <laughs> horse killer must be another right. Texan. Like, it looks like we found the other Texan. That's a that's a patron. Yeah, honestly, I'm anti horse, so I'm, I'm okay with that. So this. scary, and they bite. I don't think they're that cute. I think they're a menace. They're also they uh, they they shit everywhere, and they're extremely stupid. Um, so yeah, and they, I got the market cornered on that horses. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> they'll definitely die on their own. So kind of like some of our friends we grew up with, <laughs> just left to their own devices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and Sabrina also, thank you for joining the fold. There is plenty of additional content online on Patreon, as well as join our Discord. I think if you go into like the member benefits or something like that, there's a thing to join the Discord. Lots of chat going on. Uh, My computer was notifying me of the chat the entire time we were talking. It was extremely distracting, and I don't know how to turn it off. I I had (laughs) to turn it off. I did the same right now, too, because the vibrations were just constant. Yeah. So everyone in the Discord, just know that I see that you guys are chatting, but I never go in to see what you're chatting about. So uh, keep it up, guys. And uh, Sabrina and Horse Killer, join in. It's a lot of fun. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. With that, uh, we'll leave it there. And until next time, see you all in the future. Bye-bye. Chips in.